So welcome to the After Ellen podcast. We are here with Claire, who's one of our longstanding writers. She's giving us lots of movie reviews and book reviews and a ton of feminist commentary. So super excited to have her on the podcast today. We are talking about Feel Good, the new Netflix dramedy starring Mae Martin. Hi guys, I'm from Canada. I came over in a canoe recently with Celine Dion. Hi. 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 I've never been on a date with a girl before. Do you like films? Do you want to kiss me, mate? That would be so cool. Now? Yes. So, Claire, hello. Hi, it's really cool to be here. My first time on the After Ellen podcast. Uh, this is like the third After Ellen podcast, so you are in. <laughs> You're definitely one of the forerunners. <laughs> really hoping everybody can understand my Scottish accent. Okay. Oh, your your accent is lovely. I think you're oh. actually going to get like a lot of applications to be your girlfriend over that Scottish <laughs> accent. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Clara, start us off. Give us a little bit of a um, a summary of what Feel Good is. Feel Good is a drama slash comedy inspired by the life of Mae Martin, a Canadian comedian who moves to London and starts her career there. She is trying to launch her career, but at the same time, she's battling addiction. And then in the audience, a woman comes to see her each night and falls in love with her. And they have a whirlwind romance. And it leaves us with the question, is this a serious relationship or is May just looking for another form of escape? Okay, so the the series is, I think, six episodes? And mm-hmm. each of the episodes are like Short, 25 minutes yeah. long? I think time's used very effectively in terms of storytelling because I sat and pinched this in like one setting. I was hooked. It was, I didn't quite know what to expect going in, but there's just something really compelling about the relationship between May and her girlfriend, George. And mm-hmm. George's struggle to kind of work out what she wants. Is she serious about being with May? Or does she want to stay a part of the very posh, heterosexual circle of friends she has around her? I felt the same that once once I entered the show, I was I watched like three episodes before I'd noticed that any time had passed. And um, those early episodes especially were where I thought um, the funniest mm-hmm. because... And I think that's kind of dark, doesn't it? Gets quite dark. And and the more you understand about May and George, the harder it is to laugh at them because mm-hmm. they they're actually like very sick. Um they're both of them are are not sick and twisted or sick and perverse, but sick in that they they have deep issues that they need to heal and Yeah, and there and are quite on. a lot of moments that it's just like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So, you know, in those early episodes, there are some great gags, like they move in together within the first episode. That was hilarious. So, yeah, so you're like, okay, this is great. This is finally a show where stereotypes about lesbian culture are being Affirmed. poked fun at. Yeah. And and in a way that like, it doesn't really, um, it, it assumes that it's irrelevant whether or not straight people can relate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if straight people are, don't move in on the first date and you think that's weird, like, 
we're sorry. This is. <laughs> this I like, is like that they drew such a contrast between me and George's relationship and the absolutely bizarre, straight social culture of George's friends, like mm-hmm. weird, homophobic, also kind of homosexual, almost like what's the word I'm looking for? Um, men in that homoerotic, homoerotic, all really. Yeah heavily parried they heavily parodied like having sex with each other in a way that made me think if there's a season two are they actually gonna get together or is this just one of those went to private school things i don't know Mm, 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 um yeah i don't know I, i don't know about that that um, I am really interested, though. I feel like as I expose myself to more um, British culture, I find that um, masculinity for men is very different. Like uh, one of my favorite examples is, um, do you watch Love Island? <laughs> no, I would honestly rather <laughs> shit myself. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So I love Love Island and I've seen I've seen like three seasons of it. And one of the things that I find so compelling is the way that the men act with each other. They're all bros and they're like really close and they all wear skinny jeans like in America. That is a That's something huge only thing women here. Do. No. I think yeah. maybe about ten years ago, um skinny jeans came in and now like young men just will not be seen in public in book jeans. Wow. Wow. It's it's mind boggling because you can see every curve of like their calves and their thighs and such. And, and like, I think generally as a lesbian, I think like, oh, men are like, you know, mildly repulsive. Like it's not something I think about, but like when I look at them, I'm not like, oh yeah, that, you know, that gets my clothes or something. But then when I see a man in skinny jeans, I'm like, oh my God, you, you're so unfortunate looking. Like, (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah. sometimes i see like young so lads out and-, and i think like your legs literally look like drain pipes this is not okay yeah, yeah. it's not okay and like i guess it just is showing me that like what yes what the things that i like most about women are like curves we are soft and curves and yeah like we're not freakishly straight and muscular <laughs> in, in all the wrong ways like oh god but anyway that is that's such a um silly diversion away from the, the topic does, of this podcast i think feel good as a Help with those cultural differences, though, because you can see May's completely baffled by some of these things. But because mm-hmm. they're so commonplace here, watching this, things that I don't quite accept as normal but mm. every day, but seeing them through May's eyes kind of made me think, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Um, excuse me. I have a coronavirus. No, I don't. But, um, <laughs> so. One of the things that I thought about a lot with the the cultural differences, you know, May's uh, a Canadian comic, and as an American, I am starting to understand the differences between Canadian and American comedy and senses of humor, and I think that they're quite closely related, mm. and I do think there might be um, a much closer relationship between Canadian comedy and British comedy, since Canada is a Commonwealth country, but... Uh, and so maybe Canadian humor is like the bridge between British and American humor. <laughs> That's a really lovely way of putting it. I kind of think 
Canadian comedy is quite relatable to me because a lot of people historically migrated from Glasgow to Canada and there are some cultural links there. And there are a lot of Canadian writers I admire. And I think there's a kind of similar dynamic between Canada and North America as there is between Scotland and England and the UK. That's really interesting. Um, So one of the things that I was wondering about the show and this, I'll be interested to hear your take on it, but I almost felt as if because the, um, the primary character is Canadian and Mm -hmm. coming into comedy in the UK and trying to make her break in London, like that's where she's really trying to get her career set off that she is um, playing to, she is almost trying to out British the Britishness of British humor. (laughs) And what I mean by that is that, um, you know, the sort of um, comedies that have imported and been hugely successful in the States are like, things that have really caught our attention is stuff like Fleabag mm. and um, Catastrophe. I don't know. Catastrophe might be like pretty underrated, honestly. But things like this, um, Peep Show, I'm a huge Peep Show fan. Um, Me too. I love it. Um, and so, and, and like um, and very much less so the the Office, the British version mm-hmm. of the Office. But the through line for a lot of British comedy is the extreme the extremity of cringe and embarrassment and yes what's funny for the audience is witnessing characters who almost seem to not be able to find the bottom of the barrel that they're scraping like it always gets worse peep shows the best example of that yeah and, and every situation can escalate to another level yeah of of horrid embarrassment and shame that the characters don't feel like they don't ever feel (laughs) nearly as embarrassed as they should yeah and that's the same for um crashing too i think um even more so than fleabag the level of cringe is um is it's just impossible to relate to in real life it's taken to the level of absurdity and that's what's so funny Mm -hmm. um and I felt like in this show, they were really reaching for that. Like, how embarrassing of a situation can we put these characters in? How almost unlikable can we make them? It's like... Yeah, there were some there fairly were no spectacular likeable. moments, like in the hospital room, where the sex toy comes out and gorgeous handbag. Yeah, and I was sat there like, oh, God, that's <laughs> social death. But now she's just like, hey, I'm going to fuck my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah or the scene where um there she goes to george's school where george teaches and then she has that blew my mind because i thought if they got caught george is gonna lose her job but okay yeah it was uh incredibly uncomfortable to watch and i they literally sprinted across a field when she got the risky text from her girlfriend and that <laughs> yeah. I did feel was quite relatable yeah that was a good was moment was also really per decision making in action mm-hmm. oh your accent is so cute Claire thank you <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So, so other than the cringiness, what other things make British comedy? Um, unlikable characters. Um, and yes, a, de- a highly developed sense of irony. I think the example that you gave of her running across the field when she gets the ri- risque text is, is like great. That's great physical comedy. Like she's, mm-hmm. um, I think yeah, fully, these things are all kind of characteristic of British comedy because written socially is quite repressive. Um, politeness is kind of everything here. So know? it's characteristic of British comedy because of the politeness? Yeah, Britain is... Even when people have really sour feelings, politeness and performing politeness is still considered important. It's why even in the time of coronavirus, people are queuing in shops. Like, it's um, so deeply ingrained. And I think comedy is kind of a way... For people to really cut loose and let go of those sensibilities because it's one of the few avenues that's considered really widely socially acceptable and also now expected because it's become such a staple part of British comedy. Yeah, that's really interesting to think about maybe like trends over the decades if you could like step back and... um observe the changes of, of what's because what, what um where's this show on in the uk it's it's not You've netflix it's like there. channel four or something or um i was asking what what channel the show is on channel four and i think that's the perfect home for it because channel four i don't know how much you know about british television but channel four was one of the first um, mainstream broadcasters to really include any kind of positive content about the characters or gay people in real life. And yeah, I think May Martin is quite natural fit. She's quite um things she talks about and gender and sexuality and desire, they'll have quite a natural home on Channel 4. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so one thing that you brought up, I did want to touch on, and um, you know, Claire, you wrote a great write-up of the show on After Ellen, and I, I loved reading it in part because my reaction to the show was so so much visceral disgust and anger that I couldn't write about it. And so when I read yours, I was like, "Oh, my my take is completely different." Like you seem to really appreciate the show, and so one of the things that I was really truly curious about because of the um, the topics that both you and I have written about in the past in regard to um, to gender expression for lesbians and the um, the pressure on women to categorize themselves as either masculine or feminine and then mm. it if not fitting into um a clear category of masculine or feminine to disidentify with womanhood altogether and so there's mm-hmm. a scene in in feel good major spoiler here there's a scene in feel good where May is on stage and she's doing this whole extemporaneous improvised bit um, where she says she thinks she may be trans or at least non-binary because she has been pretending to be more masculine um, in order that her straight girlfriend will will think that she's more like a man or something. Yeah. And really sad monologue about how she only wears black now. 
because mm-hmm. she's taken all the colour out of her wardrobe to try and fulfil George's expectations of what she should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that part actually made me cry and I had to turn the TV off and I left it for a couple days. I was like, this isn't worth watching. Um, and my reaction to it was based on the fact that her she was so... Um, like in the scene before in some scene before she had tried on a nightgown and it was clear that she was having like a dysphoric moment in the looking in the mirror at herself in a nightgown and feeling um some type of way about it mm-hmm. and then when george knocks on the door you know may's like scramble to change if, yeah as if it, as if it's worse than being naked like she would never want to be seen in that level of vulnerability um And I guess it just struck me that is not an uncommon experience for women, regardless of their gender expression, to like see themselves, um, to try to see themselves as other people see them and how other people see women as a category. That's not, that's not a trans experience. That's not, um, a non-binary experience that's a very universal experience for anyone who has been socialized in a world that doesn't want to see them in any way other than as a sexual object Mm -hmm. the thing that i find most moving was when may said she felt like she'd failed as a girl and she'd failed as a boy and she didn't know what to do and expectations like the wider world place upon her are rigid even the expectations George was placing on her somehow felt like a trap. There was no mm-hmm. room in the relationship or wider society for her to just do me. Mm. And that was that was quite difficult. I sat with that for quite a while afterwards. It made me feel quite sad, actually, because yeah. I don't think May's... The- God, I felt like that quite a lot. Like, it's hard when you don't conform and if you do conform you're read as kind of ridiculous you're not quite passing at it um Mm -hmm. if you don't conform and equally you're punished for that too and I did feel for me being kind of trapped I felt like that whole sequence of events was um it was legit in that it it made a lot of sense with the character and it um it made sense in as as something that's a common experience that that lesbians especially would want to see represented it makes sense that that they wrote that mm-hmm. however it didn't feel like they um that they dove deeper into that at all it's it felt like very thrown away in the end because it was never really dealt with again and they didn't earn it in the lead up they mm. um they well, didn't i think that's something there's a second season i'd really like to see them mm-hmm. dig into more because i felt like they were just getting to the meaty parts of mm-hmm. like it kind of Standard expectations within that relationship, like begin with, May takes on mm-hmm. kind of conventionally the man's role in a straight relationship. George is initially really passive in the bedroom, and she is willing to tell any of her friends or family 
that she is seeing me to the point that she actually lies and makes up a fictional boyfriend. She lies again. She receives a wedding invitation with massive plus one on it and she says oh no it's going to be in a tiny church I can't bring anybody but of course George being from a really posh background it's a huge church and mm-hmm. she could easily have put someone and I think they came so close to kind of dealing with that tension in a satisfying way it never quite would have liked to go deeper there yeah Mm-hmm. touched um, on something real yeah yeah i would be genuinely afraid that in a second season they will make may's character um disidentify with womanhood and it is it's disturbing to me to think that um a show that has um so much potential to tell a lesbian story would would essentially um uh, well i think it might go that way because that. in real life a martin does identify as non-binary oh and, really yeah and i think they said he, he uses she they pronouns and she is um she doesn't claim the label of lesbian or bisexual she kind of makes a deliberate point of not planting her sexuality flag in public Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay that's really interesting um that's really interesting information okay (laughs) um yeah i think that is uh i think that's really ironic because the um the character is seeking out partners who are not out of the closet Mm. you know she um she in the past has dated a series of straight women or or straight women who or or lesbian women who who haven't um come out to themselves or others yet yeah so that there's they're straight passing but you know if you have a a history of hating yourself so much that you only date women who also hate themselves. Um, and I mean that because not, not, um, not living your authentic, uh, sexuality is, um, is a form of self-hatred and it's a form of self-harm. So, you know, it, it disturbs me that the, um, that the, the character is, living this pattern out again and again where yeah you can see like when she's in the narcotics anonymous meeting she talks about her addictive personality and how she falls into these cycles are not drug abuse and yet they give her the same feelings the same highs the same lows and she creates emotional emergencies yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah, and that and that gives her a high, but yeah, specifically the the self hatred that's required to date women that are in the closet or who are straight, and the self hatred that's required to like sit in a relationship and and wonder to yourself, is it that I'll never be enough for this person because I'm not male, because I couldn't like uh, impregnate her or like be her baby's daddy? I don't um, know because when the world teaches you to hate yourself, it's a difficult cycle to break mm-hmm. absolutely yeah that's a good point yeah um 
me, both me and George, you can tell they're not entirely comfortable with who they are and they're both yeah. on a journey to get there. But then being in that relationship does at times stop them from getting there. Mm-hmm. Do you think that uh, that you buy George as um, a closeted lesbian or do you think that she's found herself in a relationship where she's gay for May, but not gay? That's a difficult one because watching the series, I was really in two minds. There were points where I thought she's going through something meaningful, but then some of her touristy behavior, and the way she treated me, the way she lied to me, the way she kind of compartmentalized her life that she had her real life with her job and her friends and everything, and then she had her life with May. That mm-hmm. gave me some quite serious pause. I do think, sure, there's potential, but it was this really difficult moment when May was asking George, if we broke up, would you keep dating girls? Or would you just date boys? And George said, just boys. And okay, she was half asleep, not really thinking about having a deep philosophical conversation about her sexuality. But it was an honest moment and kind of made me think, what is she looking for in May if she wouldn't consider dating other women? What, why is it she would just date May? It, don't know and I kind of feel quite protective about me because I do feel like there is disproportionate potential for heart there yeah. and it's a situation more than a few lesbians have found themselves in yeah for sure eating wise um so yeah I think I care about them both as characters but I ultimately feel more protective of May also because I think if things go south with George um, he's going to spiral in a big way whereas George has a lot of safety nets so I think while she'd be sad if the relationship ended mm-hmm. it wouldn't be crisis for her the way it would for May Right she has a support network and May is essentially like living on people's couches and yeah, May sofa surfs, her card gets cancelled, um, her parents, she has a difficult relationship with them. So mm-hmm. she, she's not the person you look at and think, wow, she's got a lot of options. She's, she's secure. Yeah. Um, her precariousness at times makes what happened and feel good quite horrifying because always at the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh God, what if this falls through? Uh-huh. Um I think that in early on, I think maybe it was the first episode, George was talking to a friend. Um, her friend was like trying to set her up with someone at the bar. And she kind of indicated that she hadn't had a lot of relationships with men in the past. That yeah. Was successful. And so little things like that made me think that they were setting us up to believe that George was a closeted lesbian and had yeah, had a lot of interest in men in the past. Like she hadn't dated a man for like what five years or something. She showed 
no interest in doing it. Mm-hmm. Like moment where she downs that full gin and tonic and goes backstage, I think, yes, a hero is born. But um, yeah. I don't know if she's going to live up to that. Oh, we can live so in hope. Cute. Well, I think the um, the 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 tension in in George's character throughout the season is that uh, little tiny things like that, where we we see like, okay, you're not you're not, you don't have a history of being interested in men, um, which is um, clashing with with other things like um, she is never in at least in the first like four episodes they whenever they talk about sex they talk about um may fucking uh yeah it's very one direction with a strap or fingering her or going down on her i think only after late in the season she says something like oh i'll go down on you and i think a, a lot of us have been in relationships early on when we didn't know who the fuck we were no break yeah where it's all given no take and 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 like that is because the person that you're with is repulsed by your body but really wants to be loved like that's not an uncommon experience but it's not really a complex one you're in a relationship with someone who doesn't know what they want yeah and that that tension i i was never clear on on who George was, I felt like maybe they were trying to hold us in that suspense because it's more May's story the point than though, George's. Because or... George is not quite sure who George is. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think there's not a lot of space in mainstream television for these stories to be told. So although I think it's imperfect in some ways, I did just enjoy seeing this drama unfold purely because mm-hmm. it's not something we get to witness and free tv show yeah no i love that you have like uh, i'm seeing in the difference between our takes that you have such a generous way of seeing it and i have (laughs) such a harsh critical judgment of it and i think that's partly coming from my history of having hated my own self for too long and and having dated women who didn't know what the fuck they wanted either and so it's it's hard for me not to sit there and be like, why are you not more grown up? Like you should know what the fuck you want. You're a grown ass woman, and you need to um, you need to grow some ovaries and find a boundary and hold it. But I mean, exactly like you're saying, we don't get to see characters who are going through these gray areas uh, or these um, ambivalent and ambiguous times. And yeah, that's not really a common representation. No, that's kind of make me appreciate feel really invested and feel good although I really want it to be picked up for a second season because I think we can definitely dig for in those crucial themes yeah I mean I guess I think I think too a lot about the um prevalence in um LGBT culture of alcoholism addiction mm. um smoking like we are a community that struggles quite a lot with addiction perhaps disproportionately to the general population yeah homelessness too which affects me mm-hmm. and it was very difficult for me to uh watch that unfold um because it brought up so many feelings of um 
yeah, just wanting to distance myself from that reality. It's hard to watch people who are, who you, it's hard to watch stories that resonate so much with um, things you're familiar with. Um, And to watch people who are not doing themselves a lot of good in trying to better their circumstances. Like May is doing pretty good with variety and then she relapses and lies about it to everyone she knows and then fucks up a bunch of other people's lives with her uh, renewed addiction. Then at the end, for the first time, we do see her taking Narcotics Anonymous seriously because Mm. for the first five episodes, she treats it like this really big joke and she kind of rationalizes her refusal to engage by kind of focusing on silly or insignificant things about the other people in that group. Yeah, and seeing me take that group seriously and participate in it, it made me wonder. Like, we don't. Well, okay, she's got the one friend whose couch she sleeps on. We don't see May with a circle of friends with it around her, and we don't see her with like her lesbians or by women. And kind of wonder what would May look like in that context. Would what she, would George look like that in that yeah, context? Yeah, I would really like had to a find single out. dike for French. Yeah, because like, they, they dance in a gay bar in one scene, but there are no other gays there interacting. <laughs> and I would have liked to have seen those dynamics and what it brought out in both of the characters. And for me, especially when she talks about the confusion she's feeling or how uncomfortable she is with her body or the expectations placed on it, I think that environment maybe she could find she could look at herself through the eyes of other women in the community and maybe her sense of self would become more positive or secure Mm -hmm. yeah and the same thing with george i mean it's it's like no one in her family uh, her mother doesn't have a lot of resistance to her being a lesbian her friends have almost no resistance i mean of course they're like um they're kind of her friends are quite they did that very posh thing of not being like overtly homophobic at the same time the kind of thinly veiled disgust yeah mm-hmm. right but there's um there's george when she comes out doesn't face a lot of negative consequences no one walks away from her her mother's not like you fucking disgust me i didn't raise you like that her friends are not like you don't fit in with us anymore and her employer's fine with it yeah yeah so it's like uh, if she had any fucking lesbian friends she would then she would suddenly feel like that security reinforced and she would feel safe to be herself Um, i'd really like to see that they do renew it i would like to see George stepping out of what's safe and familiar and trying to do what feels sincere to her because she is not a particularly sincere character for most of the first season. And so, like you said, we don't really get much of a sense of who she is or what she's about. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, anything else? I really liked Lisa Kudrow, I'll say that. Yeah, like that was a good cameo. So funny. Yeah. She the the show wasn't that funny. Um it was it was funny, but it wasn't like it didn't have you rolling on the floor. It wasn't like a, a crack up. And 
Lisa Kudrow was such a breath of fresh air, even though her character fucking sucks. And she's... her character was terrifying. She was yeah, magnetic, was but she was also really quite cold. She was so mean and uh, low key ruthless and yeah. lacking in forgiveness or understanding. But you know, I'm sure she's been through a lot. But yeah, she was very funny. That was she was. I, I like Lisa Kudrow, and I'd see her do a thousand more roles. Fantastic. I think my favorite minor character was actually May's dad. Um, I don't know the actor's name. There was just something, well, there's just something about the way he and George clicked and bonded over the pub in Cambridge that they spewed in that made me think, yes, this is Britain. Okay. (laughs) That's cute. Yeah, just going back to... Yeah, the iconically um, British thing that they're going for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think that that's a good place to wrap up. What do you think, Claire? Is yeah, I think so. Um, just if anyone, Channel 4 or Netflix is listening, please renew it for season two so that we can continue to analyze it. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> always more m- more lesbian content can't get enough of that yes Agreed. even when it makes me angry and it makes you happy <laughs> <laughs> well i wouldn't go so far as to say it'd be happy because there were bits especially during mm. may's relapse where i was just thinking mm, where is this gonna go yeah you're right that's a stretch happy is a stretch but it made yeah. you, it definitely engaged you yeah you wanted to find out what happened and i yeah. wanted to crawl into a hole and cry but um yeah well maybe it's just because <laughs> i was watching just as we'd gone into lockdown and i was kind of thinking oh god we're never gonna leave the house again but at least there's television oh my god i what haven't i watched at this point um, <laughs> you're watching love yeah. island so probably not much well, my my subscription to Hulu expired, and I don't oh. know that I want to be paying for that as well as Netflix, as well as Amazon Prime. It just the list goes on and on of all the places that you can watch, uh, all the places you can binge. But I do love Love Island, and I've said this before. I know I've said this on my Facebook and on my Twitter. But if there was a butch femme Love Island, I would be married and divorced by now. <laughs> Right. If there was a bitch from Love Island, I would actually have to watch it and feel invested in it. Yeah, I would be married and divorced. I would be <laughs> all over that. I would probably have fallen into an addiction myself. I, uh, the sad thing about Love Island is that as you like watch every castmate who, who comes out of it, they end up having like a pretty hard time adjusting to mm. the, the, <laughs> the fame. But like, can you imagine like? Yeah, like tough, a, a a spectrum of butches, like you know, tough leather dykes and like mm. long haired butches with snapbacks and like um, you know, vans on, and then femmes like uh, high femmes with their like eyeliner so sharp it could kill a man, like nineteen fifties vibes. Wow. Um, to like to like nature lesbians like you know in flowy skirts and like casting spells under the full moon like this is the love island we need i would yes for all i those need girls to be commissioned mm-hmm. that would be such yeah, a good show so. but what channel uh 
Love Island's on ITV, I think. I believe so, although like a little never thing. like in the UK, back Twitter and Fiat Five Hundred Twitter both love Love Island, so it does come into okay. my feed. But I've never actually been able to like bring myself to sit there and watch an episode. Like it's just something about it's a kind lot. of. I know, but like you're asking me to feel invested in heterosexual stories, and I can't do that. Yeah. I know, I know, and they're and they're like the cringiest type of people too. They're yeah. like all fake tan, and uh, it's like Jersey. No, Shore. That's like the skinny jeans. Uh, the fake tan is a huge yeah. thing here. Yeah. Do you like stuff like The Bachelor? Like, what was it? What if there was like a lesbian The Bachelor? What if there was a lesbian married at first sight? Ooh, Claire, you don't I'll watch like any your, of this shit, do you? Like, no, I, I'm afraid I don't. <laughs> Although I really like, there's this amazing show that's on Amazon Prime called Unreal. And it's a kind of psychological thriller slash drama about the toxic culture at The Bachelor. And it's incredible. There's this executive, her name's Quinn, and she's kind of Ooh. terrifying and in love with her because of it yeah well claire it has been lovely getting to chat with you about the show and let's find some sapphic cinema to binge together in the very near future yes let's do it thanks for listening to the after ellen podcast give us a follow at after ellen we are very pumped about this podcast you know we're still just taking our baby steps with it so we'd love to hear your feedback Let us know how you think we're doing and what you want to hear on future episodes of the After Ellen podcast.